Welcome to the part two of my amazing conversation with Kim Ritchie and Gretchen Peters. If you missed the first one, jump back to the November 26th episode and do yourself a favor and catch up. Back then, I heard this song, which like the other songs that we were talking about just made me weep every time I heard it, which was called A Place Called Home. And it just, and actually, I put it on a playlist before my husband when we were just getting together. I was just like, I know he's going to relate to this song. It's because it's really about wanderers. Welcome to the Friends and Fiction Writer's Block Podcast. Four New York Times bestselling authors, one rock star librarian, and endless stories. Join Mary Kay Andrews, Kristen Harmel, Christy Woodson Harvey, and Patty Callahan Henry, along with Ron Block. As novelists, we are four longtime friends with 70 books between us. And I am Ron Block. Please join us for fascinating author interviews and insider talk about publishing and writing. If you love books and are curious about the writing world, you are in the right place. So one of the things that I have read about both of you is that you are so good at collaborating and supporting each other. So one of the things I was hoping that you would do for us today is kind of uh, shine a light on one of each other's songs that you really have a lot and we'll, we'll play them for people. Yes, I'd Ooh, love that. Love to go first. Um, I'll go first. Okay. Um, before I knew Kim as well as I do now, before we knew each other back in the day, but we were also, you know, like event friends. You never, you yeah. never saw each other unless we were playing a That's show exactly. together. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. We were, we were either playing a show together or at some stupid music business thing. So, um, but I, before back then, I heard this song. Which, like the other songs that we were talking about, just made me weep every time I heard it. Which was called A Place Called Home. Oh. And it just, and actually, I put it on a playlist before my husband when we were just getting together. I was just like, I know he's going to relate to this song. It's because it's really about wanderers, you know. Um, and I think all of us, to some extent, Kim to a greater extent than a lot of us, but all of us who do this thing are kind of, we're kind of wanderers and travelers and restless a little bit. And, and there's a kind of wonderful, uh, happy, sad feeling when you're out on the, you've been out on the road a long time and you're homesick, but you're also kind of, I don't know. I remember there were times when I was out by myself back in the early days, I didn't have a band or a driver Mm -hmm. or anything. I was all by myself and I would have this thought, not one soul on this planet knows where I am right now. And it kind of gave me this <laughs> happiness and sadness all at the same time. And that's what Kim's song does for me. It's that feeling of, you know, I, I, I'm just, I'm out here. Here I am. It's a little voice, like a little light, you know, like a little light that's shining in the night uh, that, that the lyrics to that song, it's just be- not to mention the melody is so wistful. I couldn't agree more. Do you have a favorite line from the song? Um, I guess the thing that the the thing that turns the tears on 
mm-hmm. is the is the it's the I guess it's in the chorus because you repeat it. It's the someday, some, oh, someday I'll go someday I'll, where there ain't no where there ain't no rain and snow. And I'm just like, yeah, but that's never gonna happen. You know, it's like yeah. that. It's it's almost the diluted narrator saying, right. yeah, someday, but you just kind of know, no, no. You're never going to find your not place. Gonna, not going to happen. Yeah. yeah, it's a great song. And um, for those of you listening, here's a little sample of the song. Well, someday I'll go where there ain't no rain or snow till then I travel Stars above my head and dream of a place called home. So Kim, um, talk to us about a song of Gretchen's that means a lot to you. Okay, I I, I love arguing with ghosts. And uh what uh, there's so many things I love about the song. The the economy of it. Like uh, uh there's Kevin Waltz said this to me one time at a songwriting circle when I just moved to town and I played a song and he came up to me and said, afterwards, he said, there's no fat on that song. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what a great compliment, you know? And I yes. think the, I love how this, this song is melodically really simple and beautiful. Like in the chorus, uh, Chuck Prophet always says it's the Dylan thing where you say the first, first line then the second line's different. Then the third line's different, and you repeat the first line for the fourth for the fourth line yeah. in the verse. And um, so it's got that going on. So there are so many things about this song that just draw. Like this is masterclass. What I would play to if I were doing a songwriting workshop because this song has has all the elements in it in in elements that draw people into the song and don't. Uh, make them feel included rather than like, well, this is, this is too hard for you to understand probably. Or it's, it, it's like the first line. Okay. Here's the, it starts out. Um, I don't know why I'm looking at my thing. Cause I, I know it it's, it's, I get lost in my hometown. So just that amount of words, I mean, you, I can really relate to it in Nashville for sure. But, but people are like, you know, immediately, you know, this person gets lost even someplace where they were raised and they've been there forever. And then since they tore the drive-in down, it's like, oh, now that puts you in a time frame as well without, you know, it, it, this song is so great in saying all these things without actually saying them. It's showing them. The song is really visual. And I think the melody is beautiful. And um, like when you go to the chorus, usually you're supposed to like go, Oh, you know, and everything just lifts up. And I think the chord starts on a minor chord. Yeah, it just goes down to the relative minor. Yeah, yeah. And, and but but it still lifts, but but goes with the. So I I love this song, and it's another. This is one of those songs that I never ever ever get tired of hearing. Oh, I have to shout out to my co-writers on that song, uh, Matresa Berg and Ben Glover. Not too shabby. <laughs> The three of us sat down. That was the first time we wrote anything. First and only time the three of us wrote anything together and wrote it in an afternoon, which is completely not typical for me. Oh, that's kind of nuts. <laughs> but it's, you know, it just, it, it kind of fell out. And sometimes those are the, those are the ones. It's a beautiful song. It's, yeah. it's really, really a great song. Thank you. 
So I want to say you said economy of lyric or something earlier that was like, boom, it put a um, light bulb in my head because both of your musics, I, I go like, how can they say so much with so few lyrics? And that's so true for uh, thing. And you get, give us earworms in my house because your songs are always on repeat in our heads. The, you know, the, the, the song form is tiny. It's, it's tiny. It's it's three to five minutes. You have this little frame to tell a whole story. And so every word counts. Mm-hmm. And if you can draw a picture, you've you've saved a thousand words to, uh-huh. to use the cliche or to rephrase the, the cliche. Um, and that's why I think pictures are so important in songwriting, because you can tell, you know, I think my my classic example is uh, Christopherson's Sunday morning coming down. It's a whole, the first verse is an entire character sketch. You know, yeah. everything about that guy in four lines. Um, you know, the beer I had for breakfast that tells you mm-hmm. everything. A lot, so right. So, um, you know, that's to me, that's, uh, that's really, if you can, if you can show me pictures in a song, I can, get so much deeper, so much faster. And, you know, most songs have what, 16, 24 lines, yeah. you know, not, not a whole lot of room to, to you move. You can say a lot more by showing it. Yeah. 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 That's so true. So on that note, let's take a listen to arguing with ghosts a little bit. Sometimes the days go by like years, and I don't know which one I hate the most. Okay, I have a couple more questions for you, if you don't mind. Um, I'm wondering how, when you put so much of yourself into some of these songs, how it is when you let them go, when you record them and then they're out in the world. Like, do you, does it stay with you or do you you have the ability to just let it go and let people interpret it the way that they're hearing it? That's a great question. Um, Well, you have to let them interpret it the way they hear it. You have, you don't have a choice. Uh, Paul Simon said that he feels like in some ways the audience is the final co-writer on a song, Mm. um, which I kind of love. That's brilliant. Um, I, I know for my part, um, I've had a couple songs rather famously interpreted in ways (laughs) that they were never meant to be interpreted. Like Independence Hmm. Day is the one. I might know that one. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and that was a hard one for me because the, it was used as a, much like Born in the USA, it was used as a, some kind of a jingoistic, you know, rah-rah patriotic anthem when it's actually a song about domestic abuse. And right. and that, that did not go down well with me. Um, but you, you know, you don't have control over that. And I think what the beautiful thing that happened with that song is that it came around full circle. Um, I remember reading a, an essay that was written by a gay man in his 30s living in New York saying, you know, he grew up in the Midwest and he always thought that song was schlocky and awful because he thought country music was schlocky and awful. Mm-hmm. And he was, he was trying to get as far away from it as he could, yeah. you know, as a kid. <laughs> and then, you know, in his, sometime in his 30s, he actually 
listen to it and listen to the lyrics uh-huh. and just reclaimed it you know and i i loved it because somehow when he wrote and he wrote this beautiful essay about that um and when when i read that i thought that is what a song if you're if you're lucky that's what a song that's got staying power will do it will eventually just kind of it will just come around on its own and people will people will, will get it you mm-hmm. know um but i mean at, at some level you know like we were saying before you it's not our job to figure out where they go in the world it's it's just our job to put them out there so you you have to and i also think i think different interpretations are fascinating Mm -hmm. i mean i i rode on a bus to saint cloud and in my mind that was about suicide but when i talked to trisha yearwood who was the first one to record it and i told her that she was shocked I never thought that from hearing that song. See, a lot I, of I people either. don't. And I think the thing is, I only I needed it to be about that in order mm-hmm. to get like emotionally mm-hmm. into the place where I needed to get to write it. Uh-huh. But I didn't need for the world to think that. Uh-huh. I think it. I think it actually is a. Um, it it's a a strength of the song that other people can put their own right story into it do you know what i mean right I yeah a, a little bit of ambiguity and mystery is not a bad thing right i i, I yeah i agree i i don't write like um i mean probably especially from coming up songwriting like learning a lot about songwriting in nashville here is like i, don't, I my lyrics aren't that obtuse i don't think they're they're like fairly straightforward but but there are so many little different nuances, like like the song we we're talking about, "Place Called Home." Like someday I'll go where there ain't no rain or snow. Like to me, that's when I'm dead. That's what that mind means. It's not like I'm going to find a place that's you know really the weather's nice. You right. know, that's not yeah. that wasn't what I was thinking. And I only had one person ever ask me, "Is that was that what you were thinking when you wrote See, that?" See, I, I said, took that line uh-huh. to mean someday these these this sadness will. I, I'll, I won't have this burden. I won't be carrying this sadness. Yeah, see, I'm but, just dead. But that's the, beauty, that's, <laughs> that, that's the beauty of being able to interpret. And I would actually argue that your lyrics are, they're not, they're not obscure in any way, but they leave lots of room for me to use my so imagination. So put, put, your, put yeah. yourself into it. I mean, you, yeah. don't, oh, you don't do I the so thing agree. which... Yeah, I mean, you don't do the thing which really frankly drives me crazy that a lot of songwriters in Nashville do, which is paint every single, you know, color in and, you know, like mm-hmm. fill in all the blanks so that you could never, ever, ever, you know, mistake this for that. Or, I mean, right. I always, I always quote the, uh, I mean, to me, the greatest ambiguous and mysterious song of all is famous blue raincoat mm-hmm. by Leonard Cohen. And like, I can still listen to that song and go, what the hell happened there? Right. You know, <laughs> right. And I love those, but I, your, your songs are, there's loads of room to get in there and drift around and put yourself. Plus, that's nice to hear. Into them. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's kind of where you are too. Cause I can listen to a song of either of yours like today. And then next week I'm going to listen and it's going to be a whole different um, take on it for me. It's, it really depends on how where I meet the song. I've had that happen to me when I when I've been singing a song, like an older song. I had I remember one specifically one night singing a song uh, on stage 
song I wrote called Like Water Into Wine, and a line came by and hit me, and there was a double meaning uh -huh. that, that for literally 20 years I had completely missed. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And I wrote it. <laughs> so, I mean, if that can happen to the writer, it can certainly happen to the listener if the song is... Well, yeah, you do, you do. Well, like I have a song called I'm all right. And that's the, that's the chorus of it. And, and I know I sing it differently what depending on how I feel. Like sometimes it could be like, okay, I'm not really all right, but if I keep saying I'm all right, at some point I, in theory, I will be. And then there's other times like, you know, I'm all right. You know, I'm doing great. That's the need, great you know, thing about that song so, actually is because is that it does. I've seen you do it a lot and it, it it really works when you're not all right. <laughs> <I know. laughs> I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm, I'm going to be all right. I'm kind of, I'm okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> um, so talk to me a little bit about um, going in and being in the music industry and being in Nashville <laughs> through the pandemic. No, oh, you you feel this one first. Through the pandemic, <laughs> I was I was with you in the first part. What's what's the music business like? And I oh, said to Gretchen today when I got here, it's like death by a thousand cuts. <laughs> but but um but the yeah but the um during the the pandemic thing, I mean, everybody just dealt with it differently. You know, there are some people that that were like. You know, there I heard interviews where people were like, well, I recorded an entire album and I wrote a book and, yeah. you know, and I had three children, all, all this kind of stuff. You know, it's like, <laughs> and I'm thinking, well, I kept some sourdough starter alive for a year. I'm pretty proud of myself for that. Yeah. But, but like my, during that time for me, I mean, I couldn't, I didn't feel like writing anything. My head was full of other stuff and, uh. And I wrote a couple, I wrote maybe two songs and that was it the whole, the whole time. But there were just so many things that I'm, that were going on in my head that I'm not, excuse me, really good. I don't feel like I'm good writing about those things like political songs. Like I, I don't, I don't have any political well, songs. And, and you have to, even if you are going to write about like the, what was going on in politically or with the pandemic or that you've got to like, that stuff has to just Maybe you have to have a step, be able to step back a bit yeah. to get a, get I mean, a look it, at it. We were right in the middle of it. Exactly. Yeah. It's like you, you can't, you know, you can't just immediately write about it without some gestation and some, yeah. you know, um, yeah, I was, I was like him only maybe even more so I didn't write anything. I didn't, I felt like we were in a slow motion emergency for mm -hmm. 18 months and um, I was also really exhausted from so much touring and especially so much going back and forth um, between uh, here and, and Europe. We, we were doing that two, three times a year um, for a long time. And honestly, when the lockdown happened, I was relieved. I, I, there, was a there was part of me, of course, that was terrified and all the other things and it was right. awful, but there was also a little bit of relief. There was a snow day yeah. thing. It's like, yeah. you know, when yeah. they said, we're going to have to cancel this, you know, next, this month of shows. And I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I'm going to, I'm going to plant some flowers, you know, and that the flowers yeah. won't run screaming from me when I try to pick them in the thing. Cause they know I'm going to let them die. Right. So, so, <laughs> so I, you know, I planted a garden and it was like, you know, and I actually got to know my neighbors 
and and all of this stuff. So at first, at first it was it just felt I, like a nice breather. I had a bedtime for the first time in my entire adult life. Like I went to bed at the same time every night, and it was awesome. Yeah, my sleep I have to say was a lot better than being on the road because. There's basically, you know, whatever your schedule is different every day. Um, but then it got less fun as it progressed. And the it other, the other thing was some people, were, like, like you said, some people reacted by being super productive and doing live streams three times a week and all. Yeah. And I honestly, I did a few, but I, um, you know, I would find myself you know, three or four songs into a live stream. And as much as I loved seeing all those people come, you know, online and everything, I would find myself really tired. And I, for a while, couldn't figure out why. And then I realized you're not getting any energy back from you're singing to a camera. Yeah. That's the you great know? thing about performing live. And I've, I've been doing, you know, done some shows now since we're kind of getting back out in, and there's just nothing like it. Yeah. I mean, just a bunch of hearts floating up on your screen doesn't get it. No. You know, not compared to <laughs> No, it to makes it really the, makes you realize what what a transaction happens in mm-hmm. a in a room with real human beings when you're playing music and they're giving you love and you're giving them love and it's just like it's it's energy in and you know, anybody that's done it knows you can go out on a stage feeling exhausted and tired and yeah. An hour and a half later, you feel great, you yeah. know, and that's because of the energy you get back, but you don't get that in front of a computer screen. Well, also like to be able to write with people, you know, or to play music with people, you know, that was taken off the table for a while. You know, I know some people did the zoom, you know, right, but that, I can't do that at all. Yeah. So, so yeah, I'm not, I'm not big on the screen thing. So it, it wasn't, it wasn't that great for me musically really. I think it really, the other thing that the pandemic did is it really laid bare the, uh, the fact that, you know, independent musicians are living on the edge already. They were already really kind of scrapping by and, and uh, you know, streaming is a joke in terms of, you know, the income stream from that. And, um, and it, but, but the pandemic, I think just kind of revealed that and made it a lot worse. And honestly, my, my real empathy right now is for young musicians that were just getting their wheels under them. And then this thing happened and it put what a two year delay in their, in their career probably. And, you know, I mean, I'm fine. I've had my fun. Anything I get Mm -hmm. is, is extra cherry on top, you know, at this point. Um, But for, for somebody who's like in their, you know, twenties or early thirties or something that's just getting started. I just, I felt for them because what a hard thing to have your life and your career put on hold like that, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully they were more adapt at the streaming thing, not streaming music, but like performance, you know, live like yeah. YouTube things and all of that kind of sort of, but it's just, you know, there it's, it's, you know, there's, it, they're at, most of them at a subsistence level anyway. Yeah, and yeah. it's just, it's, it's been really, really hard. And I, you know, and you hate to see great favorite venues go away. A that, lot of, yeah. A lot of our favorite venues shut down, you know, they've had, yeah, a, they've had a hard everywhere. time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, so, okay. Enough bringing everybody down. <laughs> I just did. <laughs> That's my fault. I asked. It's true. But, um, 
So are there are there any people out there that are up and coming that you, you think that we ought to uh, be paying attention to? I think Courtney Marie Andrews is just brilliant. What a she's just like a gorgeous voice and she's very much her own uh I don't know, she's very much her own artist. She doesn't sound like anybody else. I also heard a song by another young woman uh who's on Oh Boy Records and Emily Scott Robinson. She is she on Oh Boy? She's on Oh Boy Records, and she I just I don't know how I even heard her album is called American Siren, but I heard I think I saw a video, uh, like a live video of her during um, Americana Week, I think, of a song that I'm assuming is from that album that was just it just floored me. Um, and I'm going to try and look for the title right now. <laughs> oh, it's, um, yeah, the song that, that I heard her do live is called Let Him Burn. And I, oh, great I, title. I just, uh, I was knocked out by her nice. and by the song. So both of those young women, I think, are really worth paying attention to. Good, good. I want to I uh, mention uh, Charlotte Cornfield. And she's a Canadian artist, and I met her through, uh, I, I think for the past four years, I've done, been part of a songwriting uh, workshop that's up in uh, the Banff Center for the Arts. Uh, um, and Charlotte was there one year, and, and actually over, you know, when we were in lockdown, I had a couple, a couple women from that class that I met with. Um, mentoring, you know, during the pandemic mm -hmm. and, and as it's over, but during the lockdown part, but it, when it was, it was, her, she just has a new album that just came out yesterday, I think. And it's just brilliant. And um, she just has a great way with words of uh, these tiny phrases. A lot of her lyrics are, are, are uh, repeated kind of phrases over and over again. And you just, it, they're so visual. Her lyrics are. And um, yeah, that Charlotte would be, be somebody that, that, uh, that I would say for people to have a listen. So I was hoping that maybe I could coax the two of you into maybe giving us a little live music. Certainly. I think you you have coaxed. I have coaxed. Yeah, I'll go first if that's okay with you because yeah. I want yeah, you to sing great. on this mm -hmm. with me. So Okay. shining bright and our father who art slightly drunk is warding off the shades and he staggers underneath the weight of the promises he makes say grace say grace forgive yourself for all You can start all over if that's what it takes. Just come inside and set yourself 
Sheltered by the Greyhound station down on Fifth and Main. And as to who we're praying to, there run two schools of thought a benevolent provider or an unforgiving God. Say grace. Say Forgive yourself for all your mistakes. You might find salvation in your neighbor's face. Just come inside and set yourself a place and say grace. TV and the corner screaming, you're not welcome here. And on a poster in the waiting room, she greets the tyrant poor. Our Lady of the Harbor stands beside a golden door. Say grace. Say Forgive yourself for all your mistakes. You are not a loser. You are not a hopeless case. Just come inside and set yourself a place. And say grace. Come inside and set yourself a place and say grace. Oh, my God. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, my God. <laughs> Tearing up. It's. <laughs> I love that song. I love I, that song. I love ha- hearing Kim sing on it. We we did this uh, tour in the UK a couple of years, a few years ago, a few years ago, I guess. I know. And uh, every night she came out and sang. Oh, God, sang on that. <sighs> and I think you sang on the record too. She sang on the I last. I think I sang on the on the record. Three or four of my records too. So mm-hmm. Kim is like the, the 
the background singer that everybody wants on their, uh, on their records. Everybody. Yeah. And it's very obvious why. You're sweet. I love, yes. that's my favorite thing. That's my favorite thing is singing with people. Yeah, I'd much rather be. I mean, what, what is that? What is that movie? The so many feet from start. Twenty feet from start. Yeah, and I'm. I'm I was just like, I want to be that. <laughs> I don't want to be what I would. What I am. I want to be twenty feet from stardom. I want to be like a background singer. That's the. That's the gig of my dreams. Really, my my big ambition when I was fourteen was to just sing background and play tambourine with Crosby, Stills, and Nash. That was all I wanted. I thought you were going to say the Archies. No. I thought it was going to be the Partridge family. <laughs> no, no. My God, I was cooler than that. <laughs> the Archies. <laughs> okay, Kim. All right. What have you got? All right, let's see if I can do that. Uh, I wrote this song with uh, Mike Henderson. I haven't written with for a while. He's he's one of my most favorite writers, too. Henderson is. Um, anyway, here we go.
Oh, I'm blown away. You, <laughs> both of those songs are just so, uh, so full of story and so full of just heart and emotion. And I thank you both for doing that. I, I just, I'm speechless. Thank you. Thank oh, you. Thanks, thank you. Ron. Thank you. Thank you. In fact, in our home here last night, I asked my husband, Jeff, what song do you think Kim will pick? to sing and he says oh it's gonna be wild horses I'm really like, no. yeah. I, said, I said no i don't think so but i love that song <laughs> he won, he I, won. Was tra- I was trying to pick something that i could sing like yeah. um yeah that wouldn't be yeah yeah that's not probably ideal conditions not but it's warmed great up. so i know that the two of you are planning on touring again together overseas yes we are That's going to be good. We had such a ball the last time. We're doing all the dates that got postponed twice and three times. Yeah. All in one big lump starting in, what, March of 2022? Middle of March. And it goes Um, all the way through middle of April kind of-ish. And then end of April kind of. Yeah, and some in May because there's some Netherlands stuff coming over. Yeah, we're in it. <laughs> we're going to be renting an apartment over there. Yeah. We had a really great Kim. One of the things about Kim when you're on the road with her, my tour manager is also this same way. She makes you go on field trips. Like you if you have a day off, you're not lying around in the hotel. Like left to my own devices, I'd be like, I'm just going to be in my room and I'm going to have room service. I'll see you in 24 hours. Let's go. Let's go. But she (laughs) and also my tour manager, Rebecca, are just, they they found all kinds of amazing things for us to go do and see. You know, I might have grumbled a little bit at the beginning, but it really, we had a blast. We really did. We packed a lot of life into what could have just been, you know, drive, sound check, gig hotel drive rinse repeat you know so yeah. it's such, it's such was... a good gang and i love getting like like you know i get to do my dream gig singing with you guys during your set too, yeah so. we all do you know we collaborate and do you know i mean because you can't well f- for one thing I, I was not gonna have her with us and not like make her come make sing her, half the yeah. set with <laughs> us because it's just so much fun and we have like because the bands the guys in the band everyone sings we had five singers on stage, which is such a luxury. Fun. I mean, you don't get to you don't get to do that that often. So that was pretty great. So yeah, we were just talking about that before doing this podcast. We were talking about we better start boot camp because we're, <laughs> if, if we're going to live through this speed. tour, we're going to have to really. <laughs> yes. Well, just so you know, I'm going to be on tour with you. I'll be singing backup for you all. <laughs> all right. <laughs> No, no, you don't want to hear that. I'm kidding. You do not want to hear that. Well, so I can't thank the two of you enough for being a part of this amazing episode. Your music has truly touched so many lives, and I know that you're going to gain many more fans now from this episode. Writing is very profound and moving as a profession, and thank goodness you've shared your gifts with the world. So thank you for that, and thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us, Ron. You're a sweetheart. Thank you very much. We had fun. Yeah. It's so much more fun. We've never done this together. I know. It was so much more fun for us to be in the same room. Yeah, I can tell. I can tell that you just have such a synergy between you. I love it. Yeah. It's great. And thank you all for listening to the podcast on behalf of the Fab Four and Friends in Fiction. If you've enjoyed this or any of our other episodes, please be sure to share with a friend. We treasure the support that you've all shown to us. See you next week. Thank you for tuning in to the Friends in Fiction Writer's Block podcast. Please be sure to subscribe, 
rate, and review on your favorite podcast platform. Tune in every Friday for another episode. And you can also join us every week on Facebook or YouTube, where our live Friends and Fiction show airs at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We are so glad you're here. Produced by Autovita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.